Welcome listeners. Welcome listeners. You're listening to Deeds in the Desert. The place where real estate investors tune in for the latest news and available investments at Ignite Funding. If you're on the hunt for a low effort, passive income stream, then turn up that volume and pull out the hammock as we get ready to feed you your weekly dose of real estate investing insights. Welcome back to another episode of Deeds in the Desert. Today, we're going to be doing a little recap of quarter four and the highlights here at Ignite Funding. Today in the studio, I have Pat Vassar, Director of Underwriting. Welcome, Pat. Thanks, Maddie. Let's get started. Let's talk about quarter four here at Ignite Funding and what we did. You're the underwriter, so you know best. What was the total number of amount funded? Total amount funding, we did uh, just over $80 million. So it was $80.6 million in fundings over that uh, three-month period. Geez, how does that compare to the previous years? You know, it's actually a little bit lighter than we typically would have expected given our servicing portfolio. Q4 has historically been our biggest quarter, bar none. Mm -hmm. I think every single year we've been in business, Q4 has been our largest month. A lot of that is attributed to December where we typically have a loan that it has a higher interest rate or some unique scenario in which a borrower is uh, really in need of money and therefore we can pass a lot of the interest on to the investors. This year wasn't quite that way. So we didn't, uh, we didn't have as big of a month as we would expect, and therefore that negatively impacted Q4. All in all, still $80 million in funding, still great, but not quite uh, what we were expecting. I was expecting closer to 90. Well, let's dive into that number a little bit. What was the payoff total? Payoffs was just shy of $70 million, Uh, 69.6. So that means we grew our loan servicing portfolio by $11 million in the quarter. Okay, so the payoff, that's what goes to the investors? Right. So once we originate the loan that's in the funding category, that loan stays in the servicing number until it is paid off. That money then goes back to the investors. And at that point in time, the investors gets gets to decide if they want to reinvest or take that money and run. Yeah. Why wouldn't they reinvest, right? Absolutely. It's a great way to earn a passive income. This quarter, what states did we fund loans in? There were actually eight different states in which we originated loans. Arizona, Colorado, Montana, New Mexico, let's see, Nevada, Texas, Utah, and Washington, the state of Washington, not to be confused with D.C. So primarily on the west side. Primarily. You know, that's kind of our our typical footprint. Uh, This is a little bit more concentrated in the west than we typically do. Usually there'll be one or two random states, if you will, something – closer to the Mississippi River or even east of it. But our generic footprint is Colorado and West. And this kind of shows yeah. exactly what our footprint mm-hmm. typically is. I mean, we're over here, West Side. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it makes sense that we're over here. Yeah, minus because why? We actually don't have our, our license out in California any longer. We gave that up about five six, seven, eight, actually I don't really remember, a while ago, uh, just because the risk to reward wasn't there. So we gave our license up, didn't want to deal with all the the uh, bureaucratic mm-hmm. BS that goes on with it. So we they've, don't look for any loans out there. They've got different regulations and stuff out there, right? They do. And it's not necessarily about the regulations. It's about the amount of time it takes to get deals approved, not from our side, but from the developer side. And when the developer gets slowed down by deals, that really hurts their margin. And when we're charging them 12, 13% interest, 
you know, our interest doesn't sleep. If they have a delay for whatever reason, the interest rate doesn't matter. The investors don't care. We don't care. And that can be really burdensome when the city officials take a long time to, to get deals approved. And because of that, the it increases the risk. And mm-hmm. when you increase the risk, we want to increase the reward to the investors in the form of higher interest rates. The the lending market just isn't conducive for that in California. So that's why we got out. It has nothing really to do with us per se. It's just the structure in which we finance deals at these high interest rates um, are not conducive to delays at all. And, and um, California always has delays. So that's why we don't do it. Yeah, they have delays on traffic too. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you can't yeah. get anywhere over there. Okay, so you mentioned developer. That brings me to my next question. Who was our largest borrower in quarter four? Well, it probably should come as no surprise to you, but our largest borrower is Rhino Holdings. They did $25.8 million with us. Their business model is one in which they refinance or sell a lot of assets at one specific time. So when they go and refinance, alone, they don't do it one off, they go and refinance a whole portfolio. Therefore, we get paid off in big chunks. When we get paid off in big chunks, we lend in big chunks. And because of that, we got a a large payoff or large pay downs on many of their loans in Q4, which means we lent a lot in Q4. We still are less right now with them than we were were at the beginning of Q4. uh, But that will get back on par here in Q1, actually in in January, as a matter of fact. And then we won't do any more lending with them for a few months until they go through their next round of refinances and sales, at which point we will redeploy those paid off loans, paid off amounts into new loans. So more payoffs means more funding money. Absolutely. You know, when we look at our our fundings uh, for the future, it comes from two sources. One is from payoffs. The payoff money that comes in, we need to look and see how much of that will be reinvested. Most of the time, investors reinvest that money. But if there's things going out in the macro environment or even in the micro environment with investors specifically, we need to know who's going to be staying on and who's going to be taking their money and going elsewhere. The second component of that is new money, money from new investors, new uh, sources of dollars that are coming in that haven't already been invested here at Ignite Funding. So the combination of those two sources will dictate how much funding we can do for the following months. Okay, makes sense. Speaking of that, how many loans did we fund in that total amount that you mentioned? We actually financed 59 separate loans in that three-month period of time in Q4. So can you explain working days a little bit to me and our listeners? Yeah, so working days are simply uh, non-bank holidays. We are a a financer of of mortgages, of uh, hard money loans. Mm -hmm. Therefore, we kind of fall in that banking regulations in that banking holidays uh, come about where we can't send wires. So even if we wanted to fund loans, we couldn't. There were a few of those days, obviously, with Christmas and Thanksgiving Mm -hmm. during that quarter that took away some of the working days associated with it. So there was only 62 working days, and we funded 59 different loans. So almost one per day. That's crazy. Yeah, when you put it that way, it definitely is, right? When you think about it, of, of how many loans we typically do, it doesn't seem like that many. Uh, if if I were to just guess, I would have probably said three a week. Uh, but in this yeah. case, it's that you know, seems closer to right. five a week. Mm-hmm. 
So of those 62 working days that we had, when you break down the fundings and the payoffs we had, that it's $1.3 million per day in loans that we originated and $1.1 million per day in payoffs. So when you break it down on a per day basis, mm -hmm. those numbers definitely seem uh, pretty impressive, at least in my book, pretty impressive. Yeah, that's pretty impressive to me. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so what do you think was your favorite loan from this quarter? Well, my favorite loan is one that pays off on time without <laughs> any any delays in interest. So the I'll be able to answer that better in hindsight. But uh, as far as the origination is concerned, I would probably say Rhino Holdings Kent. And the only reason I would say that one over all the other uh, 60 plus loans that were 59 loans that we did is because the margins in that were so great. Yeah. He was able to buy a property that we probably could have given him an extra 30% more money, 40, maybe even 50% more money and still been in a good loan to value. That's how great of a deal he was able to acquire on that and how little money we ended up giving him. Granted, it was still a big loan. I think it was 11 million bucks, but it, uh, it went quick because it, it had a high interest rate, right? It went quick with a high interest rate, and it was a great loan to value. Even though the fact sheet didn't really show that, I believe uh, that number is a little bit skewed because that's current value mm -hmm. and does not take into account all the tenants that he has in tow. So he's able to get that property fully leased up. It's already leased up now, um, and we we're just a few months after origination. Yeah, we recently did a podcast on that one and that was one of our most popular episodes. Oh, really? Yeah. Did not know that. Lots of listens. So let's move on to our current outstanding loans. It's now quarter one of mm -hmm. the year. So we're moving on from that. We have quite a few loans available for our investors that are listening or potential investors if you're interested. So one of our available investments right now is Citywide Land and Development LLC, which SDIRA Wealth is the parent company of Citywide Land and Development. They were established as the land banking arm of the company, and they have a long history in West Texas of developing and building hundreds of residential units. So let's talk a little bit about that. What is so appealing about this loan to you? Well, it, it's kind of twofold. One is the mic the micro market that it's in, West Texas has been exploding with oil and gas and uh, quite a bit of business endeavors mm -hmm. going in the area. So there's been a, quite a bit of migration to that location. And when when there is an, a net positive number of people moving in as opposed to people moving out, it's very uh, inducive to, to building new homes. And that's exactly what this is. It's a borrower in which is building or is purchasing 23 finished homes. This loan is for seven of those 23. And they are then going to go out to their investors, uh, get these properties leased up and sell cash flowing assets to the investors. Yeah, Texas is booming right now. Absolutely. I know lots of people that are moving there right now. And you can get houses for a lot cheaper than you can get here in Vegas. So no that's, doubt about a, that. that's a big factor, I think. So this loan is for seven of the 23 units. We will be doing one more loan with them, Maddie, in February, which okay. will be the last acquisition of those 23 total units, all in the same community, all from the same builder, and all with the same payoff scenario, which is will be paid off when they sell the units to investors after they have uh, become leased up. Very cool. Let's move on to Rhino Holdings Sparks. 
which is with Rhino Investments Group. <laughs> <laughs> we were just talking about them. They uh, seem to be pretty popular. Absolutely. Yeah, Sparks is one that is in Sparks, Nevada. It is a what I will consider a power center, one in, that was anchored by a grocery store. That grocery store has since vacated. Uh, they have quite a few national tenants in the area or in this complex, like Tracker, Tractor Supply, AutoZone, Harbor Freight, Applebee's, Jack in the Box. The list kind of goes on and on from there. They acquired this piece and are going to do a subdivision map, which means they're going to break the parcels down from one APN into, I believe it is six separate APNs, at which point they will then go out and sell the property. So the value add component on this is twofold. One is the tenants in tow. He's bringing the occupancy up about 20%, or excuse me, about uh, 30% from its current 66% occupancy up to the 92% level, mm -hmm. at which point it will then be basically fully leased. That other 8% is going to be nearly impossible to lease. So um, it's, it's basically done at that point. The other component of the value add is the parcel split. In this case, the parts are worth more than the whole. The whole is a you know, a $14 million loan, a $20 million purchase on it, the value on it's gonna be just north of $20 million. Uh, but when they go in and break those parcels up, it'll be worth more. And the reason behind that is buyers in that $15 million and above are typically large institutions, ones in which aren't, that are not currently buying mm -hmm. because they're waiting for potential blood in the water, uh, blood in the streets, if you will. And so they are more distressed buyers and are sitting on the sidelines. Who are, who are not distressed buyers are the high net worth individuals who want triple net rents or what I'll consider mailbox money. If you go out and lend to, let's say, uh, Harbor Freight, for example, you know, it's, it's a large corporation that will sign corporate guarantees on their projects. And so you're pretty well assured that that borrower will continue or that tenant will continue to pay rents all along the way. And so you'll get a higher premium for those cash flows than you otherwise would when you include some of these regional or local tenants. And by breaking it off into smaller bite-sized pieces, uh, he's able to increase the total valuation out there uh, by about $4 million. Wow, that sounds like a good deal. Yeah, it's 20% extra value by parceling it off. That parcel map has already been completed. It was done right near closing. I can't quite remember if it was done right before closing or right after closing, but either way, completed now, which added uh, quite a bit of value just from that one parcel split. Okay. And that is Rhino Holdings Sparks LLC with the borrower Rhino Investment Group. We had Sanjeev in the studio here a couple weeks ago. So if you haven't listened to his episode, he talks a lot about his market outlook for the next year. So that's another exciting episode to listen to. And moving on to our third available investment at the moment. Our third loan that is available right now is another Gray's development. Let's talk a little bit about that. Well, one thing he said that I don't really like is another Gray's development. <laughs> Here is a scenario that uh, is probably a little mis misleading to investors. They see that same name over and over again and think it's the same project. We're lending more and more money to the same, same deal. Didn't we already do one of those? Those type of questions. In this case, no, it is not the same project. It is the same borrower. It is the same parent company. But unlike 
Rhino Holdings, for example, who separates all of their acquisitions into special purpose entities, Gray's takes a different approach. They have one LLC that handles all of their land acquisitions. So don't let that Gray's development company fool you. It is a different project, a different deal. So don't let it get stale in your mind. But this particular one is Centennial and Fillmore. It is a project they acquired about two and a half years ago out in Colorado Springs, Colorado. The collateral of this loan was seven and a half acre parcel of land that they have since gone in and done the development work on. It is now broken down into 105 townhome lots. Of those 105 townhome lots, 48 of them have already been sold off to the home building arm of their company, leaving 57 remaining lots as the collateral for this loan. They are all under contract to be sold to the uh, the other company that they they own, Local Homes, which will be building the townhomes and selling them to end users. There's a predetermined uh, lot takedown schedule with predetermined prices, all of which are currently under con- contract and have breakup fees associated with it. So I do believe that uh, is a good exit strategy associated with this particular loan, that they're all pre-sold and have non-refundable money associated with it. Yeah, local homes is huge in Colorado. That's where I used to live before moving to Vegas. And you see their signs everywhere and their houses everywhere. They make some really nice homes. So that makes sense. And Colorado Springs is growing rapidly because Denver's expensive to live in. So people are trying to get out of the city, but they still want to be near the mountains. So right. very good loan to be on. And to everyone listening to this, if you want to learn more about these loans, Visit our website at ignitefunding.com and then go to Investor Relations tab. And underneath that, it will show Available Investments. Or you can give us a call and speak to Investment Rep. Thank you so much for joining me on another episode today, Pat. Absolutely. Look forward to doing a Q1 and hopefully having some bigger, better numbers to talk about. Yeah. And thank you to our listeners for joining us on another episode of Deeds in the Desert. We'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us this week on Deeds in the Desert, where short-term investments meet long-term investors. We hope you enjoyed the content so much that you share it with all your friends. Who doesn't like learning about passive fixed income, right? Still hungry for more education? Visit our website at ignitefunding.com. Or if you're ready to take the leap and start investing, give us a call at 702-761-0000 and schedule a free investor consultation.